0: So, this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye.
1: Bye, Henry. Bye, Welcome to Future Great. whatever the fuck the podcast is about. Um, design. Things. It's about yeah. design, art and design, Meg, art and yes. design.
0: Art and design.
1: Um, so yeah, let's see. So you, <laughs> you've had some interesting uh, moments in your life recently. Um, I want to hear all about what it takes to become a, um, a notary.
0: A notary. Well, yes. in Minnesota, it's actually pretty easy. Um, but that that has an asterisk after it, right? So, um, in order to become a notary in Minnesota, you file an application with the Secretary of State and you pay a hundred and twenty dollar fee. Yeah. Um, and then they take that money and they either uh, license you or not. Like they issue you the documentation to say that you're a notary, or they say no. But for me, they did not say no. They said yes. So I have no idea what the experience of being told, no, you can't be a notary, would be like. Um, at any rate, then you go and file that commission, your notary commission with the county that you live in. And I just did that the other day, um, which means that I am officially a notary in Minnesota.
1: Woo! Wow. Yeah. yeah
0: Woo! As such, uh, my the scope of my... Um, the scope of my responsibility and authority is pretty basic at this point like i it's uh, for instance i don't have enough um i don't have enough power to make a living off of being a notary yet so yeah. uh a lot of people there's in minnesota there's a lot of splitting hairs over what responsibilities fall to which people and what duties are whose Um, when it comes to notarizing things and documents and the content of those documents. So, for example, uh, as I understand it right now, if there were two people in front of me who wanted to notarize document as long as they both had ID and were both standing in front of me and I was there and they both signed a piece of paper at the same time, I could notarize it that like, yep, all of this was done above board. Everyone involved understood what was at stake. Nobody was coerced and they both signed it in person in front of me and I verified their identities. So legally, this is a like a binding thing, right? And so right. You, most of the time, notaries work in like real estate or other like arenas that would require live signatures to be verified um and so uh that's kind of like the basics and a lot of people who work in real estate or work in other jobs or work for law firms and things like that get their notary license just so that for convenience sake they can sign documents and then if you want to charge a fee for that signature most things that you notarize or charge a fee for that notarization um most things i think are like a standard fee in minnesota of 5 bucks but yeah if if you become um a different type of notary by studying and passing an exam you can uh become a notary that in other states is referred to as a mobile notary um but minnesota doesn't recognize that classification so um basically what it, it, what our equivalent in Minnesota is to other states mobile notaries is a real estate it's like a real estate closing license. Okay. And so you become a you become a real estate closing agent or you're licensed as a real estate closing agent and what that means is that you can be hired out if something happens that is unexpected or if somebody can't make a meeting or if um li- or just on purpose uh, for your skills you can be contracted with to show up at a real estate closing and discuss the contents of that closing document with the parties there. And that ability is where you start to earn money.
1: Gotcha. But in order
0: to get to that point, you have to actually demonstrate uh, an understanding of the law and the practices and protocols of that a company notarizing closing documents. And so you can't just the, they did this audit in Minnesota of like people who were like, I'm a notary and had notary licenses and commissions. Uh-huh. And they found that the vast majority of them who advertised themselves as mobile notaries were in fact operating outside of their scope of oh. like legal practice. And so um the, I I'm learning all of this as I go because I, I don't know anything really about being a notary except there's nothing about it that I don't like and it's right up my alley and it doesn't, you know, like if if you're going to try and make a career out of it it costs nothing to start doing it basically 120 bucks, 140 cuz I filed the commission out. you know, it was a $20 fee. So right. like it costs almost nothing. I did sign up for some Coursework online that is through a real estate company here in Minnesota that does all kinds of education for notaries specifically. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to learn how to do all of the like real estate closing type stuff, even though I don't want to work in real estate. And I am going to test and get the um, additional licensing to be a real estate closing um, notary agent. And then I'm also looking at, um, learning about remote online notarization which is new yeah it's not that new in fact it's like it was around a long time ago when like email started to become a thing but everybody was like oh, i don't understand how this is supposed to work like how can you possibly verify that somebody's not being coerced or what if there's somebody right off camera like holding a gun to somebody's head and then you notarize that it was a like thing and if you notarize something that's not actually a binding contract then you're liable for for, for having vouch for that
1: right right
0: Right. And so like some people have to I have to look into this in Minnesota, but um, a lot of notaries carry like insurance and um, like bonds, I think or bonded and insured. But uh, I don't know. I presume I'll have to do that for myself because I intend to work independently. But um, other people who are notaries are usually bonded and insured through the company that they work for, be that a real estate attorney or or a real estate officer, an attorney or whatever. So anyway... um, the remote online notarization of course is just as like secure as any other dumb thing on the internet is secure or not secure. You know what I mean? Like there's ways that you can verify this. And if you understand technology, you understand that there's like analog ways of determining someone's identity and verifying that, that don't involve having to be face to face with someone. And on the, you know, Conversely, being face to face with someone isn't necessarily there's ways to get around that. People lie and commit fraud and identity theft all the time. And I'm sure some of it involves people doing it in person. Like it's not all fool, it's not foolproof, right? Right, right. So uh, with COVID, remote online notarization became like really, really popular overnight because it had to, because everything would have ground to a halt and it was not feasible for the world of real estate and stuff to just stop for eight months. Um, so th- it's become much more widely accepted as like a verifiable practice and something with integrity and stuff. and um I think in other states you have to take a- specific tests to become remote online notarized or get a commission for it I I or a license for it in Minnesota, I don't think that you have to, uh, but I could be wrong about that anyway, I'm studying that too, and then if there's some way to get um license for that specific thing. That'll be another way to make money. Interesting. But yeah. I was just thinking
1: um how like, you know, notary there's notaries dovetail with a problem that exists in computer science and sort of the design of systems. Um mm-hmm. which is that the uh how do you authenticate people, right? Right. So um, you know, notary notarization is this idea that we're gonna add this extra level of security so that the people who signed this document are more likely to be the people that they say they are. Um, yeah. And that's the problem in software all the time. Like everybody has an email account. Everybody, ha- I mean, not everybody, but um, many people who spend their time on the internet are very familiar with the issue of – Authenticating yourself for different services, whether you're logging into your personal email or you're logging into uh, Netflix or any other kind of online service that you're using, and that is a big issue. Um, yeah, because you're you're representing yourself as somebody, and and like identity theft is you know rampant with the onset of the digital age because before the internet. Um, you could have local instances of identity identity theft to some extent right but um you weren't like your whole life wasn't so wrapped up in it that it's like okay maybe they maybe they miss like someone is like posing at you in a nearby town and they um kind of like did some stuff that like reflects poorly on you or maybe even they got into like your local bank account and like you know cashed a few checks or something like that which is horrible but with the online stuff, it's, like, they can just, like, take everything of yours and, like, run your credit up and do all these problems. And, and um, yeah, so authentication is a big issue. And I think it's interesting. You, you kind of point out the big thing where it's, like, you know, notarization is not foolproof. And right. the idea that, like, doing it online is somehow more insecure than doing it in person is kind of, like, well, the real problems aren't about that. You know, the real problem is the issue of the the notary agent in themselves and being able to, like, properly, like, you know, identify the person that's in front of them or mm-hmm. even, you know, I mean, lots of people would fail at, at issues where it's like, you know, if you show up with a fake ID, like the notary, like notary agents aren't any better at spotting fakes than anyone else. Like it's not like, Sure. I'm sure they don't give you like some electronic kit where you're like, okay, let me run this ID through the database and make sure it works. So, you of know.
0: course, of course. Right. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I think like, I think that weird, the reluctance towards uh, The reluctance to adopt remote online notarization seems to me to be an overindulgence of the belief that eyewitnesses count and an eyewitness testimony is like foolproof and gold like solid gold like um it just like because well how do you know this person is well because i looked at his idea and then i looked at his face and he was right in front of me like that doesn't so what like that's
1: (laughs) right right yeah that's no guarantee okay
0: Yeah. yeah like how do you know it wasn't their twin I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, or or like, or like they look exactly like the person in the picture, but then when you actually, you know, by the by the time it's like time to go revalidate that and say, "Yes, I signed it." You're like, "Well, the guy who's standing here isn't the one who actually signed it." And, you know, that that may be as far as they want it to go, but um you know, there's no guarantee of any of that. Like you said, right. twins and, you know, or just you know, I mean, like how like, yeah, as you said, um Uh, (laughs) witnesses are really unreliable like that's a well-known fact or right you know so
0: yeah yeah. i it's just uh so yeah on one hand i think there's that like oh well i was there in person this like belief that things happening in person and being seen firsthand um somehow makes them like valid in an objective way like there's objective ways of validating like fingerprint somebody then it doesn't I mean, like, there's that, or D- right. obviously you're not going to DNA phenotype everybody who wants to sign a contract, but, like, there's there's ways that don't, like, rely on you sizing somebody up.
1: <laughs> right, right. And I, there's, I mean, this is something I think about a lot. Um, you know, I, it makes me uncomfortable, the idea of using um, biometrics for authenticating people. Okay. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, part of it is that um, it's very final. It also I, part of the problem too is that it's like, okay, yes, it's much much harder to spoof or to like subvert the 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 process of like you know using um, biometrics. Like for instance, fingerprints are p- mm-hmm. fairly reliable. DNA is even more reliable. Um, sure, but but it it just kind of like I don't know what it is about it but it it's kind of um it's I think maybe as as someone who grew up in the US there's a certain level of desire to have a certain amount of an- 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 anonymity. Um I yeah. don't I struggle with that word lately. Um a- an-
0: anonymity? An- anonymity I do too. That yeah. and worse
1: worse to ser- worse. To ser- ser- <laughs> yeah, songs. well that's fair. That one's fair but anonymity. Yeah. So I I think that um there's there's certain there's a certain desire to have like the ability to, um, to change who you are, right? Yeah. Like to not be, you know, the thing about DNA is it's like it feels very final. It's like, nope, that's who I am forever. Um, you know, yeah. once I've kind of committed to like valid, you know, authenticating myself through this method, then I cannot, I can't change my account, so to speak, like my account yeah. with, the, with the universe. Like I am, I am, and will forever be, as far as we know this dna currently um yeah right. and and so that's that's a little bit and i think you know there's obviously like a lot of ethical concerns with for instance creating uh, authentication databases based on people's dna or on any other biometric that they happen to have um
0: I just think of like somebody showing up to a door that's like airlocked with an eyeball on a stick because you need somebody's retina scan to get through.
1: Right, right. I mean, that's part of it, too, is that um, the thing about DNA is that it's real easy to get other people's DNA. We're constantly shedding it everywhere. And so it is is a problem with authentication that it's like, okay, like you're going to do a DNA authentication, but it's like... Yeah, but you know, you need but some DNA. So I'll get you some DNA this evening. Like, you know what I mean. Like, being
0: being able to being able to offer a sample of uh, DNA does yes. not mean inherently that your DNA is what you're offering.
1: Right, like a, right. a
0: person who a person can be in possession of DNA that does not belong to them. Yeah. very very easily.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then um and then I also have these other ideas like I I can't remember the name of the author right now but um I read a lot of like obscure science science fiction and there was a I I don't remember the name of the author because I can't remember which science fiction story it was in but he was talking about um You know, in the story, it was like, you know, super far future where it's like consciousness can kind of go into a computer and out of a computer or like, you know, into a virtual space and then be re-uploaded into some new biological body. And so – Sure. And and copied. And like the way that, um, you know, the idea of who you are came down to um, what in the book he kept referring to as your gestalt, right? It's like – it's basically the idea that you are the sum of your parts. And so whether like, because I can't know which copy of the person you were at one point, like the entity, right? Like, let's just think more Mm -hmm. in terms of like, not necessarily like a human being with like a head and a body, a torso and like four limbs, but more in the term of like some consciousness that you're communicating with. Right. And so um, the idea of authentication was more just about, can you produce uh what he called this idea of gestalt which is to say like um the sum of your the sum of who you are currently and so ah. and so if you changed too much in your thought patterns and and who you were it doesn't matter if you were in the same body you wouldn't be able to get back in through that authentication check because you're no longer that person like right. whoever that person was who showed up to do that like who set up the authentication in the first place must you know must think and be a certain kind of person and have a certain mindset and have a certain set of memories and all of those um it was an interesting idea uh i mean obviously like implicate like imp- uh sorry implementing something like that is you know first of all we don't have any of those problems currently so um mm-hmm. but it is it's uh, thankfully i mean i i feel like it's such a such a hard kind of life to live you know like it'd just be such a head fuck to like be like (laughs) oh head
0: in a jar (laughs)
1: right it's like yeah well yeah but except it's not just like you're one head in one jar it's like you're one heads in jars yeah like now i'm 50 heads in 50 jars and um some of us agreed to like meld back into the same and now we're one consciousness again (laughs) and some of us just made more copies and fucked like it's just like what you know um But also, let's do it. I'm in. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So yes, but yes, authenticating an identity, like just even the phrase "authenticating an identity" is like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean by everything in that sentence or in that phrase? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, it's (laughs) so
0: many questions.
1: (laughs) So many questions, and I think, um, I think it's worth. Maybe we should maybe talk about, like, we could kind of dovetail that into um, some of our, like, designing dystopias a little bit just around. Yeah. Because there's a lot of dystopian kind of nightmare that happens, especially bureaucracy that comes with uh, authentication and and identity. Because, uh, you know, the classic kind of, like, um, the classic kind of, like, bureaucratic nightmare dystopia is sort of, like, going to the DMV to – to get your identification card, right. Mm -hmm. And the amount of identification paperwork that you need in order to prove you are who you are in order to get something that proves you are who you are. And yes. And like the, just the insanity of like, like for instance, um, like here in San Diego, my understanding is like people, like younger people, especially, and it may, this may have changed a little bit, but when I was younger, I didn't ever really get the concept of like needing a fake ID because I wasn't interested in going to bars. But my understanding and talking to friends and things over time that what was going on back then was that what you did was you went to, you could go to Mexico and get somebody to forge, um, birth certificates for you. And you really? would get a birth certificate forged.
0: Oh my God! I was like, Mexico. What kind of high school did you go to? And I'm like, Oh, duh, you live right across the border. Like, I was yes. already just like wrapped up in my own little world over here. Like, who who has the yeah? Has so the you could like to go to Mexico.
1: You could get yeah. a you could get a birth certificate forged that you would then take to the DMV oh and register an, as a like as a young person like as a 21 that- year old or 22 year old and get your your ID. And you would just get an ID. You wouldn't even get a driver's license because the idea you can apply so much fraud oh yeah, no, it's insane, but Holy you know, shit. but then you get to go to a bar when you're twenty and that whole eight to twelve months, you know, amazing, um that or whatever just seems eighteen like
0: so diabolical and complicated compared to like up here, you just pay somebody for like like up here people I never had one either for what it's worth, I never needed one um yeah. the the deal up here that I was exposed to was like some people looked like their friend's older siblings and so they'd like get an id that somebody said was missing or stolen and then they would just like cancel it out but it wasn't technically missing or stolen they just gave it to somebody else or like it, it always involved you looking like somebody on the thing and i think part of the reason for that up here is that our ids were were and still are like notoriously difficult to fake
1: Right, right. Yeah, and, and California is like, well, that's why they were doing it that way, right? Because they were difficult sure. to fake. And so you would just go get an actual legit ID. Now, it was linked yep. to an illegitimate birth certificate, but, um, you know, birth certificates are literally just like printed out pieces of paper. So it's kind right. of, you know, which, and I, I always, I think it's also kind of interesting and funny that um, that our our sort of prohibition laws around alcohol and access to drinking are, are something that drives a fake ID industry.
0: Yes.
1: Like, it's like, no, we don't have a problem with like, like, especially, you know, in a time of Trumpism and all of the like, you know, um, extreme xenophobia where people are so worried that people are coming into the country illegally and doing all these things. And it's like, The real, like, probably the real driver of a lot of these industries are just, like, kids who are, like, in high school and 18, like, wanting to go to a bar. Um, Yep. Because, man, I tell you, like, it's only, like, three years from 18 to 21 and – it seems like an, a ridiculously small amount of time to wait to have access to something that's inherently kind of stupid. Not that I don't have good time yeah. in bars, but it's like at that age, you're like, I want to go get blitzed in public with everyone else. And it's so cool. And it's like, oh, God, you know, um, and so yeah, it just t- pushes people like the pressure to be able to go in there.
0: Yes, it's ridiculous uh, because like the uh, the social effects, the negative social effects of like legal drinking are insane and then like all of the underage drinking. My solution to this is like, well, maybe we should just give them drugs before they're of age to drink.
1: Right. <laughs> just give them something better.
0: Way less harmful. Yep. Uh cheaper in the long run. More accountability. Yeah. From yeah, let's just, you know, if you don't like the black market, legalize it.
1: I mean, that's kind of it, right? It's like yeah, I, yeah,
0: I think that the reason I mean, I don't know, and I could probably like do some significant research on this and find a lot of a lot of writing about it, but um, Minnesota has like idiotic marijuana laws Yes, Uh, and instead of like not making any laws about recreational or just not wading into that water or just keeping it illegal they've done this kind of like half measure of making medical legal but only for some people for super limited conditions and only in like the pill form i think so like anyway it's it's and then like there were at one time i believe if i'm remembering correctly there were a couple of um, companies that were approved to manufacture it for clinical use but so few people qualify to use it that they couldn't like they weren't oh, making God. the money they needed to make to produce the drug for the limited number of people who were actually approved to take it <laughs> <Right>. and so <laughs> i don't know where we're at with that now uh-huh. uh like pretty much every state around us and Canada have all approved it for recreational use and like whatever. I I don't know how long we're going to hold this out. And uh like the they still love to do drug raids on people here for weed, which is kind of crazy. Although in the city of Minneapolis, under an ounce has been decriminalized. And so it's like it's just uh really schizophrenic here. Yeah. Um But like Oregon, this is common or common, uh, not common events, current events.
1: Yes, current events, Um, yeah.
0: Oregon just decriminalized everything and also at the same time simultaneously uh, approved psilocybin for medical use, which I think is like- Amazing. Way to go, Oregon. Right? Yeah, I'm hopeful that they will be so successful in similar ways that Colorado was commercially that people will be like, well, obviously we can't not do this anymore. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, that's interesting. I was, oh, so this is a thing that I wrote down in my notes, and maybe I like, I think I texted it to you earlier today. What I'm interested in, given all of this discussion that we were having about our biomes, and like we didn't have that discussion on this podcast, but right before we started recording this podcast, we we're having this very long discussion about microbiomes yeah. and what you're, what, wh- who you are has to do with what bacteria are living inside of you and what they're eating. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, what's interesting to me is that all of our neurochemistry is attributed to the activity of our microbiome in our gut. And when people take psilocybin, they usually have a reduction in clinical depression symptoms. And I'm wondering if it has very little to do with the brain itself and much, much more to do with the fact that you're feeding a particular type of substance to particular gut bacteria and the response that they have pushes out a bunch of chemicals that reduce or change your neurochemistry to the point where you don't have depression anymore. Because considering how long-lasting the effects are after just one or two doses of it, it would have to be some kind of a longitudinal change. Like, it can't just be... It can't just be that your brain gets rewired. That doesn't make sense. It has to be something like the content, the population of, and the behavior of your gut biome changes.
1: Right, right. um...
0: Somebody should look into this who works in a lab. I don't do that. So this is a really great idea. I hope somebody's hearing this that can do something with that thought, because I don't know that sometimes it takes a lot for these ideas to cross populate
1: yeah it does it uh you know i was talking to a friend of mine who works in sleep studies and um and she often uh struggles with that problem of like you know they've like her industry has been pushing for a long time to make people more aware of how much um light affects your natural um internal cycles and mm. like really strongly and they, you know, they have lots of studies. And so um, and she said a problem is like there's still these studies that are people's doing now where they just completely ignore the effects of light on on their their st- subjects. And yeah. so it can be like and you can imagine like if you're doing a study like a drug trial or something that's like controlled where your uh study subjects are like, say, in a building where they stay and do the whole trial and they like sleep and they get up in the middle of the night and do things or whatever. or And, and all of that she said can be affected by the fact that some of the patients are exposed to a certain wavelength of light in the evening too much. And it can have such a strong effect that any, any effect of the drug is completely overshadowed by the amount of like you know blue light you're exposed to or mm-hmm. um you know or like a really particular wavelength or just a lot of light or you know artificial lighting in the evening like some patients have you know we're exposed to more of this artificial light like in general and things like that and so um and so she's been trying to get people to pay attention to that and be like look if you're doing a study and your study is looking at any kind of biological rhythm you yep. should be aware of how your the light site like you know the light you need to control for that in some way
0: yep um, yep that makes so much sense
1: yeah yeah it's fascinating and i think that's part of um i mean i think this is an exciting time to be alive in well it's always exciting to be alive it's the nature of being alive but um I think this is an exciting time in the sciences, especially like bioscience and in like human science or human like biology studies where yeah. you have like we're you know, so we kind of like got to this point where we're like, okay, like we can sequence the human de- no, genome genome de- genome. The human genome and um <laughs> and uh and uh so um and you know, and so we've kind of gotten to that point where like that's not done in the sense that so we have sequenced somebody's genome, but yes. um, you know, we haven't like, you know, we're we're still getting to that understanding of like how biochemistry works, and like you're talking about, it. it's like, you know, in the last couple years, it's there's been a been, been a big push to understand how we actually have this sort of symbiotic relationship with our gut biomes and other 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 organisms that are like with us our entire lives, right? Um, yes, and you know, there's even like. Uh, speculation about the nature of um, the mitochondria DNA that happened, you know, the mitochondria that is part of like a eukaryotic cell and how that might have at one point been an ancillary, like an external organism that was then basically just became a marriage of, you know, happy, you know, functionality between mm-hmm. your, you know, inside a cell. And so it's like, it's, it's insanely complicated and really fascinating time to look at and understand, like, Look at all the things we're learning about and all of the things that as a human race, like we're starting to discover and like spend more time studying. And um, and I think it's also so heartbreaking that there's been such a backlash on science, um, mm-hmm. at least in our country. And it seems like worldwide, like that that kind of yeah. populist movement of, um, you know, it's good to be dumb. And like I, I think – that kind of breaks my heart a little bit cuz it's like ignorance is fine like it's not something to be ashamed of it's also something that can be fixed um, yes and 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 also like it's uh i don't know i i just think it's really sad that you know we live in a time where it's like there's such this like railroading of um all universities to be competitive in a in a sort of um in in the uh what do we call it the capitalist society right it's like they yeah. must be profitable and they and they are it's just they're not able to connect to the profit that they generate because what they're doing is creating um space for people to learn about all these things that then go on to grow these amazing like companies and things that feed the capitalist fucking nightmare right um yep. but they're not able to capitalize on that and right, they shouldn't because, have to.
0: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. The whole the whole concept of the whole concept of engineering higher education so that it's quote unquote worth it yeah. is moronic. Right. Yeah. It's a terrible way to think about education.
1: Yeah. It's I I think that um yeah, yeah, it's. I was so I was relaying to um our our executive assistant Dana this evening. Yes, about how I recently put my foot in my mouth because we have at um at the job I, one <laughs> of the jobs I have or the job that I have right now, the company I work yes. for has a happy hour on Fridays, and I was at the happy hour. And it's on Zoom, right? So, like, we're all. I'm like sitting at home, much like I am now, talking to you. Except, Mm -hmm. I was talking to you know, twelve of my work colleagues, and one of the new guys who just joined, and I am also a new guy. So, I was kind of like, you know, I'd had a drink, and I was kind of blabbing my mouth a bit, and then I kind of shut up. (laughs) It's the
0: battle of the new guys.
1: Yeah, and I shut up and let some other people talk, and and at some point, we kind of like he was like really like pulling things out of me, not in a mean way. He was just trying to like you know, he was engaging me and being like, hey. You know, what do you think about this? Like I have these ideas. And then I was like, well, you know, we we're talking about healthcare. And I said that um, you know, he, he was outlining like the problems, and I was like, Yeah, like it is definitely that that clash of socialism and capitalism where it's like, if you want to have sort of a socialist healthcare system, you need to protect it from capitalism because capitalism will just eat it alive. Like it's right, you know, it's it's ripe for, you know, corruption and all of these other problems because it's not competitive. It's designed to level and equalize and not allow people to grow these massive spires of like, you know, privilege and and wealth. Yeah. And so um and so then then he um started talking about um uh one of our authors that we've talked about. I can't remember his name now. Um uh, uh. Uh, noah harari yeah noah harari uh the the author of um sapiens and he was and to be fair to the guy on the chat like he wasn't he wasn't like it's amazing he was just like you know it's really he brings up a lot of interesting ideas and since i'd had a few drinks i was um i really (laughs) you
0: you said one before now it's up to a few well are we like moving chronologically through the
1: chronologically yeah like i was on my second drink and as um, soon as
0: he said sapiens i downed two drinks
1: oh no why does it say my mic isn't working um Hang on. Technical difficulties. Just a minute. Uh, let me. Um, oh, no. The whole thing crashed. Wait. Are you there? Can it you did. hear me? Oh,
0: I'm here. I'm still here.
1: Okay, great. So we'll just. And you're back. Yeah. And we're back. Um, okay. So keep going. <laughs> anyway, I I was, you know, I'd had at this point I was like in drink number two and, and I wasn't like trash or anything. I just was like feeling yeah. comfortable and loose and he was kind of rambling on and he brings that up. And then um, and so you and I have both attempted to read sapiens um i think you made it a little bit further than i did and i just was like i was like i have to just i'm like you you kind of stepped on a landmine here that guy that 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 book is trash logic it doesn't have any kind of merit um there's a reason it's not really well received in the scientific communities is because he hasn't he doesn't he he doesn't follow the scientific method. He just it's a story that he's telling you that he's made right. up. And he the problem is is that he's selling it as fact. Like he sells he supports right. his story with facts that he says are facts, but they're not facts. In fact, they're not most of the stuff he puts forward isn't even well supported in any kind of research that we could find, and the stuff that is, his conclusions are garbage. Yeah. It's like he, you know, and and so like at this point, I realize I'm having this conversation like in a public forum in front of like, a, like my boss and some other people and they're kind of laughing and smiling. And I was just like, I'm really sorry. I did not mean to call you out or put you on the spot or. Um, <laughs> you know, because I felt bad because it wasn't like you know and the guy was he's a nice I like I work with him and he's great and he's smart and um and helpful and like really like engaged and uh, like what he was doing was a very normal social thing and I was kind of a dick and I feel bad about it. Um, I did apologize. I think it I think it went okay. But anyway, you know sometimes I think you it just, went
0: okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll see if I have a job on Monday. Right. Um, right.
0: I think you should send. A fruit basket.
1: <laughs> I should send a fruit basket. I totally like, should. Yeah,
0: it has to be one of those custom ones where you're like, where you can like work on the design of it. And yes. I think it should like in chopped up fruit, and not the filler fruit either. Not like the honeydew melon. We're talking no, like, like like cantaloupe if melon,
1: cantaloupe if melon, but like grapes and strawberries and like right. apples like and berries, like berries. Yeah. Some
0: substantial stuff. Yeah. So uh, I want the berries and all of the cherries. like fruit chunks and yeah. cherries. Yes, all of this. I want it to spell out the word science. Science. <laughs> and then under that, I want it to spell This is going to be a huge fruit tray. I'm sure yeah. you've offended many people. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. under, <laughs> under that, it's going to spell out... Um, uh let's see science and then it's going to say falsifiability or something like really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I want to give these people a chance to express themselves outside of the range of the normal range of fruit displays.
1: Yes, yeah. Okay. All right, I'm on board with this. This is definitely um I think that we should convert our whole podcast to no longer is it art and design. It's um it's art and design fruit back- basket edition. <laughs>
0: We're just going to start a fruit basket company.
1: Yeah, fruit basket design. No, no, no. We're not even, no, we're just the designers. No, no.
0: We're, just we're the, the designers. designers. <laughs>
1: like, all we do is discuss fruit ba- basket design.
0: This uh, is great because we'll be the equivalent of, like, you remember how we were arguing about people who like design things, but the things they design aren't ever intended to be made in the real world. And yes. so it's like, well, you're just a th- an imaginative graphic designer, then, like you can't call yourself a fucking architect if you've never actually overseen the design and build of a building. Like right. you're just a person who draws pictures of buildings. Then, yes,
1: right, right. Yeah. Like
0: that's not the same thing. So, um, I think like we will be the fruit basket equivalent. Yes, of, absolutely. Like yeah. air sats designers.
1: Yeah, like total armchair fruit basket designer.
0: This is a an academic fruit basket design exercise only.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you don't you challenge me on this.
0: Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that as of right now, you and I are the subject matter experts on yes. uh hypothetical fruit basket design.
1: I I mean, definitely world-class, no question. Um Yeah. I like It's lonely our, up here. It is really lonely at the top, I have to say. Now that I'm up here looking around, man, it is real lonely.
0: Once again, it's just us. (laughs) We are it.
1: (laughs) We are it. Yes, indeed. I Uh, feel
0: like our existence and our friendship is kind of like we got in on an elevator at ground floor uh and we... we, Somebody... Before they sent the elevator to us, did us the favor of pushing every single floor button. Uh And then we got into the elevator on the way up. And at every floor, it stops and the doors open and there's never anybody there with us. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) And like we both look out and we're just like, eh, might as well keep going. Nope. Here we go. Up up again. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Next.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh man! Fruit basket, hypothetical fruit basket design floor, Uh empty, empty,
1: just us, just us. (laughs) Yep.
0: We will have to like make a little checklist. Like, yep, we own that floor and floor and that floor.
1: Like, we just reach out the we like reach out the door and slap a little post it note that just says like declares our ownership of that particular floor.
0: Yeah, it's like a post-it note with our names on it and our phone number like text us, we own this place.
1: Right, exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs> Owners at your service.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> like uh this is like um, you know, just all of these all of these things are just adding to our core competencies. Yep, just our, list and them our, up there. Our special applications of knowledge.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um Oh, what was I going to tell you? There was something else that happened that I was like, oh, this is a thing, and now I forgot about it. It couldn't have been that interesting.
1: No. I mean, I'm sure it'll come back around. The problem is we flood things with the things we're interested in, so it, it becomes a kind yeah. of yeah, overwhelming wall of interest. Um, right. Yeah. So I think uh, I was thinking about how we should probably call this podcast, um, like auth- like, we could probably call it like the problem with authentic- authentication or authenticity or um, the
0: problem with authenticity.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, in f- in fact, maybe that's a great one. I mean, th- there are so many problems with authenticity because uh at some point like is it is it the um what's that sort of like theoretical problem like the ship of Theseus, I think, where Oh,
0: the one in the many. Yeah, the question yeah. of the one in the many.
1: Yeah, like the question of at what point is the ship of Theseus no longer the ship of Theseus, depending on how much, how often, like how much of it was replaced by new wood, right? The idea is it's like yes. you know you have this ship and it was christened the, the ship of Theseus, and then at some point you replaced the deck wood, you know, all the deck plating is pulled up and replaced with new wood because it had started to rot, and then at some point the whole hull is replaced and the mast is replaced and the sails are replaced, and at some point like is it still the ship of Theseus and that's mm-hmm. part of the problem with um authentication right it becomes um and i think also like on a human scale the issue of authenticity is a question of um like who who are we it's an identity question right like it's, it it, yep. it conjures up at the root of it it's a problem of identi- it's an identity crisis it's, it's like, an
0: who, existential
1: question. I think so. I mean, I think you're kind of in this place of like, who am I? Like, am I am I my human body with my brain? The thing that I, you know, as far as we know, we can't be divorced from, right? Um, yeah. And, and survive as a consciousness. Or am I my consciousness? Where at some point, if we could survive, like the transfer to some new body or some new existence, like, am I that person? Or if you are crazy and believe in, in the, you know, the weird idea of like afterlife and stuff – does my identity go with me? Like if I were able to reach through, through whatever wall, like, you know, from the Ghostbusters point of view of like through the veil and come back to, you know, the material plane, should I have claim to the things that I identify with, like that I've identified and own and have ownership of, like, you know, or, or even just like, you know, I mean, to put it in the mundane, like as a ghost, should I be able to sign back into my, you know, my private email?
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, like, like, does should email be respectful of necromancy? like yes. what if you conjure a ghost and then use th- yeah, we're getting into really weird territory here right uh, the other day we were out for breakfast and we were walking home, so it wasn't the other day because it was like still warm enough outside to walk around. so it must have been sometime in October, maybe a month ago. We were walking home from breakfast and um we were talking hypothetically about like oh god I don't remember how we got onto the subject but Damon said something about well because you uh, like you own your DNA and I was like "Mm, no you don't and he was like what of course you do and I was like eh I'm what we'll look it up we'll google it when we get home and like have a computer screen to read off of because this is going to get really complicated but I think you're wrong I think technically legally you do not own your DNA and we went down like a several hour long rabbit hole because I was right. Um, but yeah, only be- not because I knew that intuitively. It's because I've read about the problem. Right. Um, yeah. You do not own your DNA. You don't own it. You don't own the products that result from it. You like a very um, famous example of this that probably most people still don't know, even though it's like insanely egregious is that Henrietta Lacks is yeah, a he- woman whose DNA has been used to basically do all- anything you can think of as genetic science now c- comes from,
1: yeah, it comes from one of her t- she had a tumor that they t- used yeah. they crea- so she her tumor spawned a um immortal cell line. So an immortal cell line means that you can indefinitely um, divide those cells and continue the culture indefinitely, right? So, right, it doesn't um,
0: peter out or degrade or right, like su- yeah. successive generations do not like in a human body, you your cells can only split and become new cells so many times before they're like pooped out. Yeah, basically. there's there's yeah.
1: some other famous like immortal cell lines, like there's a PC12, um, which is a rat, a rat brain tumor, um, cell line that's pretty mm-hmm. famous. I think that's the only one I can think of right now. But yeah, anyway, sorry. So yeah, like that's a very famous example of like, she doesn't own the rights to the research, to her cells. She can't even reach out and say, hey, everybody stop doing research on my cells, give them back to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, she's dead now, but right. like her but family her has family can't. no her, yeah, her they relatives have no, claim have no legal either. standing, right. right? So like without, I mean, that gets super complicated and it's a it's a bioethics problem because it's the intersection of biological medicine and uh, how we practice law and how we treat legally those biological substances and so like it gets very complicated and it's uh, stuff that I geek out over and I really really enjoy but um far too complicated for me to like speak extemporaneously and correctly about it
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like, yeah no, I, I yeah. mean that's understandable but that kind of goes back to one of the things that I'm uncomfortable with using right. bi- like biometrics yes. make me a little bit uncomfortable um right it means that a hundred percent my body is the thing that is used to authenticate who I am um And it's not tied to who I think I am, right? Like, necessarily. Um, Yes,
0: and I'm so glad we circled back to this because around about the time that I was, like, envisioning the eyeball on the stick, I was going to sort of, like, divert us into a conversation about the one and the many. And if it's something that can be so easily separated from you, and you are not your eyeball, and your eyeball is not you, then using it doesn't actually prove anything. But if we accept that as a form of bio authentication then we're making essentially a huge mistake because you're not actually authenticating anything
1: right right and i think also um that makes me think about the the question we haven't asked which is why would you want to authenticate anybody
0: Sure. That's a, like that, that's a super valid question.
1: <laughs> right? Um now I like you know I want to definitely speak to the point of there's lots of reasons to authenticate in this in the practical sense. Like we've already talked about them. Personal email like it'd be great that my email is who I am and not who you are. Um Yes. And and then uh but the thing about authentication at least in the human experience as far as I can tell the point of it is that it's about um being able to build trust in a community with, yep. like, whether that's a community of two people or three people or four people, authentication is about trust and claims to who you are as a behavior and who you who you will continue to be in a in a yes. behavior in that society. Um, yep. So I yeah I mean it's I I imagine there are people who can probably speak very strongly to this like who've or or very pointedly. Um, and I would be interested to know mm-hmm. their thoughts on this if they're listening. Because um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, we've kind of just stumbled into it um, yeah. in this Total, conversation. Yes, Not that right. we haven't thought about it. It's just, uh Yeah.
0: We didn't plan the topics that we got around to talking about today, except for extremely loosely because they happen to have to do with something I did earlier today, basically. Yes,
1: right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, what we've done is turn, in, turn your ordinary, um, your ordinary. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily ordinary, but you know what I mean, your mundane task of attempting to seek employment and uh, gain full employment. Right. And now we're going to talk about some uh, fundamental issues of, of being alive as a human being.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just your average Friday. I mean, like we don't we kind don't get to. Yeah, this is what we think about all the time. This is right. ju- we're just letting you in on like the events of a day, a day, a, day. a lot of these days.
1: There are a lot of these days. This makes oh, me man. think about a lot of the um, the early conversations we've had in. Um, you know, when we were kind of getting to know each other and like driving various places together.
0: When we were trapped in a car for like 12 hours at a time together.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, good trap. Good trap. It was the most fun trap.
1: Oh, absolutely. Really fun. Um, this is
0: very fun trap.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, do you have a tip for living well in hell?
0: Oh, God. You know, uh, related to all of the things that we've been talking about today, I don't know. Um, I thought of a good one the other day, and now I can't remember what it was. I wrote it down, but I probably didn't highlight it. And so trying to find it.
1: We'll take a moment. Yeah. yeah, That's okay. Um, I mean, I think we can kind of formulate one, which would be, uh, you know, what we've talked about, which is that, um, you know, we've talked about the problems of authenticity, a little Mm bit, um, and what on authenticity, uh, is, I mean, one of the things we haven't really even talked about too much is like authenticity, how I I think in casual conversation, when you, when you say authenticity, I more think of, um, oh, that person's being authentic. Like what, I love that person. They're so authentic. Uh, that's what I imagine somebody saying to me and as it praise to about somebody else. And I, I oftentimes when I hear that, I want to be like, what do you mean by that? Like, what mm-hmm. do you mean that they're authentic and I'm not? Or, I mean, not that that's what they're saying, but just like, you yeah. know, what makes you say they're authentic? Like that they're speaking their mind or that they're um, or that they agreeable with what you think about the world? Like where, you know, what right. is your, like, what's so that? so
0: subjective.
1: Yeah, it's so subjective. Um, but in a more practical way of authenticity, I mean, that's part of the problem of authenticity. It's a little bit subjective. In the sense that well, it's like what what defines authentic in this moment?
0: Um, I mean, I think like it, it all depends on the context, right? Because I was where my brain started spiraling when you said like um, authenticity or authentication is like why we care, and I was thinking about any time that you have to auction something off, the only way that it carries value with it is if it's deemed to be what it says it is, right? Like think about uh, like things that are rare, they have to be authenticated before anybody's willing to pay money for them because a fake is, is inauthentic and therefore of less value. And that just, I mean, this is something that I'm sure lots and lots of people have trod this ground well before we have, and have a lot to say about it. But I'm just thinking about this now, like, um, what, what, what is the value assignment to a person who is who they say they are like
1: and that's the that's the question um i think i i think that's kind of the problem right like yeah um, that's in, weird
0: it's in that, that, weird to think about
1: yeah like when you think about like to go back to that um i wish i could remember i'm pretty sure that the scientific, science fiction author was Greg Egan because that's kind of the author I'd been reading a lot of when uh-huh. I was when I was thinking about the, or when I thought about this problem and read the short story. So I think he either wrote a short story or part of one of his stories is this authentication problem with around the idea of like consciousness duplication and consciousness um you know the nature of consciousness, right? Um mm-hmm. and and you know it's speculative fiction, right? I mean that's no yeah. it's science fiction. That's what he's doing. But um the with with his proposal or his suggested kind of solution was that they they had this this idea of gestalt, which was the essence of a thing, right. Um And the idea that it didn't matter, nothing else mattered, because the gestalt was like proved the proved the authenticity of it. Because even if you made a copy of the gestalt of the thing, it would still continue to be and behave as if it were the thing, and so. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the entity, right? Like the the consciousness, the the gestalt that the consciousness produced, could not be um, easily, um, easily spoofed because, in order to produce it, you would have to act and behave as if you were that. That yes. which you promise, right? So in a, it's, in a way, it's kind of a promise for me. Like, as a consciousness, I'm promising that I am and will continue to think and behave in this way. Here's my yeah. gestalt to prove it because you can now see all of me as I am. Um, and so then, the like, in, in that example, uh, it doesn't matter. In fact, the example is, like, the point is that a copy doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether yeah. you're a copy or the original thing or you weren't that thing and you transformed into that thing. Um, yeah. And then – but we – I think in the example that you're talking about, like in auctioning and like in – especially in the world of like antique collection or uh, art collection in particular, having an original is the value. In wine, exactly. Um, In that case, uh, the – I think what you're actually buying isn't just the thing. Part of the thing is – is the process of authentication? You're buying like part of the thing you're paying for is the authenticity, right? Yeah, you're yeah. paying for the process of authentication. You're basically saying that um, I'm buying this on the promise that it is the original mm-hmm. in in every way, and not just a copy that is otherwise the original in every way, other it's than that- its origin is not the same.
0: But it's not just the originality that bears the value because if you think about something being an original then you have to ask the question original what like the what is where the value is because yep. all sorts of things on the on the planet are original but they are not all prized for their originality
1: right right yeah um
0: which is cr- crazy this everything is crazy value systems are crazy
1: they are they are really crazy um and i the other thing i was thinking about in um relation to this concept and maybe this will lead us to a tip for living well in hell um mm-hmm. the idea of you know having an identity crisis which is something that i think conceptually i understand i've never um i can't remember a time where i've i've felt strongly a struggle with who i am um mm-hmm. But I read about it because it's interesting to me, and we live in a time where um, people are more and more aware of, like, what what that means to, like, go through, have an identity crisis. Like, I, I'm immediately thinking of, uh, you know, trans rights movements and people who, mm-hmm. um, you know, struggle with, like, who they feel to be on the inside versus, like, what society is trying to tell them they are. Um, sure. And, you know, and thankfully I have not had to personally suffer that, um, but – I can I think I can empathize pretty strongly with like I can imagine how hellish that could be. Um so what I was getting at is the idea of um authenticity and authentication do go a long way with like they're well tied up with who we think we are individually. Like what what do we identify with? Yeah. Um, so I think that you know, I think I think a tip for living well in hell would be to. It is worth considering how, as an individual, you authenticate those around you in ways that mm-hmm. are beneficial and helpful both to you and to them, and in ways that aren't. Um, yeah. You know, like you can you can kind of do harm to yourself as well if you're if you're trying to hold somebody to an ID or an identity that's not actually mm-hmm. who they are or. Mm-hmm. Um, which can harm you because you might believe like you're trusting in a way that like they they don't want to live up to like you know you're like I trust yeah. that you're going to be this kind of person and say this thing and they're like I didn't I didn't say that I don't want to do that Right, you know, I can't, I can't do that. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm literally not tall enough to show up and like hold up your, you know, your bookshelves or you know, whatever the fuck it is. But yeah, I, yeah that's yeah. a weird stretch of it. This is a terrible analogy. But um,
0: get over here and hold up my bookshelf. <laughs> yeah,
1: I thought you were taller than you are. It's like I, I'm not. I'm just as <laughs> tall as I am. Like,
0: I can't do anything. I'm about just it. as tall as I am.
1: Right. Um, um, there,
0: there's a tip for living well in health. Don't be taller than you are. Yeah. <laughs> That's just today is an absurdist, uh, an
1: absurdist, <laughs>
0: absurdist tip for surviving hell.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Only no,
0: don't be taller than you are,
1: right? Only be as tall as you are.
0: Only be as tall as you are. You and I have this down, Pat. We can check against each other because we are the exact same size.
1: Yes, exactly the same size. It's amazing. Yep. Um, it's crazy. It's so crazy. So, uh, yeah, I'm anyway, uh, I think that was a pretty fun podcast. So, I just wanted to say thanks for listening.
0: That was a good one. No, yeah. we we covered a lot of territory on that one.
1: We did. We did. And I feel like we actually like kind of stuck to a, a main theme, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I think that I don't know if that's a first, but you know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to say, which means probably not.
1: <laughs> right. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. No. Of course not. I don't um, remember
0: being this excited about that before now. So this makes me think it was the first time. Yes. Yeah. oh man yeah good times
1: good times indeed okay well uh continue to wash your hands and wear a mask and be safe and kind
0: yep the uh just hang in there pals like it's the end is in sight and don't like don't fuck up our chance to go the world series in the ninth inning of the last playoff game like don't screw it up now like it sucks that we're coming up on the holidays but don't enclose yourself in a room with other people until there's widespread vaccine use because it's not going to work out real well and it doesn't matter how much you want to see Christmas do you love Christmas so much you want to kill grandma
1: I mean that's what it comes down to I suppose
0: I, in some ways it really does or yeah. someone else's grandma because like that's the whole thing right it yeah. spreads yep. uh, uncontrollably you can't decide who gets it so uh don't give it to anybody
1: yeah just don't do it
0: and uh yeah i'm gonna go eat dinner now woo
1: fantastic me too okay uh, okay all right thanks everybody okay bye bye